Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Out of chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, follow along with me as I read. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might in his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning from a sermon titled, Let's Pray Like This. Pray with me. God, thank you for all that you've done. You have done great things. And God, I pray today you would do something great. I ask you to anoint me to say things that would honor you and give us ears to hear from you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about prayer for a little bit, and I want you to get more involved in prayer. Now, if I ask you, should we all pray more, the right answer is what? We all should, but we all don't. We say that we're a praying church because we have people in the church that pray, but everybody doesn't pray. We spend, as I told you, the first Sunday night of every month praying. It's one of our least attended services, but one of our most important services. We'll be doing that tonight. I think some people don't come because they, they don't know how to pray. They don't like praying. They, they, they don't know what to pray. But I want you to know we need to pray. Prayer is vital to your life as a Christian. Prayer will help make you enjoy your relationship with God at a higher level. And I want you to hear this. I've said it before, but I need you to understand this. There is a breakthrough point. Say breakthrough. There's a breakthrough where prayer stops being what it's always been. And let me tell you what prayer has always been for 99% of all Christians that have ever tried to pray. It's been tough. It's been difficult. It's been odd, strange, laborious. It's been, is this working? Am I doing it right? It's been all of those things and more. But there is a breakthrough where you get to the other side where prayer starts being fun. Where prayer starts giving you energy. Where prayer starts revitalizing your spirit. And the problem is most people will never pray long enough to get their breakthrough. And y'all know if you've been around me for a while, you know the example I'm going to give because it's the example that I have. 
I hate running. You can look at me and tell that. I, I used to say, I'm not running anymore. I did all my running in the army. I used to say, the only reason I'm running now is if a dog's chasing me. I'm too old for that now. I don't even remember. If a dog wants some of this, come get some. Uh, you better have a 225-pound dog uh, to get on a 225-pound man. That's just my, you know, I'm protecting your dog speech. But they told me all the time, they said, Scott, if you'll just keep running, you, you'll get a runner's high. You'll catch a second win. I'm telling you from the second step, I, <laughs> I was gassed and out of breath. And we ran two miles Monday through Thursday and five miles on Friday every week for years. We ran it at a fast pace. And I never got that breakthrough that people were talking about. And some of you have never gotten your breakthrough in prayer. Here's my advice to you. Keep praying. Pray, pray, pray. Keep praying. Pray all the time. And one day you're going to realize, I love being able to talk to God and know that he hears me. When, when you, see, it becomes so cool where you really, it's not like, well, I guess I should pray about it. You're like, I'm going to talk to my father about that. I'm going to talk to Dad about that. I, I'm going to get God involved in this. And then prayer becomes something more than what we've seen it to be. But in this chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, he, he says in verse 14, for this cause, or because of what I've just covered in chapters 1 and 2, he said, I bow my knees. And we've talked about the importance of prayer many times. We talked about the importance of posture for prayer. But he, he, you see here he says that he bows his knees. I've always told you the, the number one most appropriate posture for prayer is knee praying. Say knees. You need to get on your knees and pray. If you are phys Now, if you're not physically able, no father in the world wants his child trying to do something for him that is physically hurting that child. All right? If, if being on your knees too long causes you great physical discomfort, God gave us a second acceptable posture for prayer, and that's face down. These are the two ways we see saints in the Bible praying. Paul was a knee prayer. In Acts 20, 36, he said he knelt down to pray. Here we see him getting on his knees to pray. Jesus was a knee prayer. All throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus getting on his knees. Even at the end in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke 22 tells us that he knelt down and prayed. I, if you don't hear anything I have to say today, hear this. Get on your knees and talk to God. If that's compromising for your situation, and listen, I have now broken my back twice and my neck once. I've been operated on twice, and they want to cut on me again. I am walking around with a broken back right now. I understand how certain postures can be difficult to stay in for a long time, but you can rotate between your knees and face down. Now, you say, well, Pastor, I like to do my praying on the drive-in to work. Uh, I, I got one word for that, cheater. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm just saying that shouldn't be your best prayer time. You're multitasking on God. You're fitting God in in, 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 in the midst of what your, your real focus is hopefully getting to work without wrecking, right? 
Uh, it's nothing wrong. You should talk to God all throughout your day, but I want you to have a special time and a special posture. Anybody believe that's a game changer? That is a game changer. Posture is important, but not only is posture important, who you talk to is important as well. He said, I get down on my knees. Now, people say, well, why do I have to kneel? Well, because God said so. Because we call ourselves Christians. Because Jesus did it. Because our faith is built uh, on, uh, our, our religion is built on the faith of the apostles and prophets with Jesus being the cornerstone. And they all got down on their knees and prayed. There's more to it than that. It's an act of humbling yourself. It's an act of you getting low to recognize how high God is. That's why we, we lay face down before God. But it, Paul said, when I pray, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who you pray to is very important, and I want to encourage you to pray to the Father. I want to encourage you to pray to not just the universe, not just a higher being, not, not just the, 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 the spirit world, but to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because he's the one that can make the difference. I've told you on all this social media, I see people asking for prayer and spiritualists, agnostics, atheists, non-believers, Christ haters. They want to come in on the, the thread where people, good people have asked for prayer and they're like, I'm sending positive vibes your way. I want to let those people know you don't own vibes and you have none to send. Did you send them UPS or are you sending them FedEx? Are you, are you just making stuff up as you go? No, you want to be able to get involved in acting like you have some connection to something that can help somebody in their life, positive thoughts coming your way. What, what you just ball them up and spit on them and throw them at folk so they'll stick? No, you can't do that but what saved people who have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through His Son Jesus Christ can do is we can talk to Father God on your behalf and He can move heaven and earth for you. So we need to talk to the Father. Some of y'all only pray to Jesus. Listen, Jesus makes everything easy because he's the Savior, Messiah that bails us out when we're in trouble. Some of y'all pray only to the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost makes you feel good and give you goosebumps on the back of your neck, makes you think you got superpowers um, when really he's the superpower. But people res resist Spending a lot of time with God the Father. Why? Because the Father not only will celebrate your victories, but He will spank your butt when you need it. We, we need to learn that the proper person to pray to is our Heavenly Father. Jesus prayed to His Father. Paul prayed to His Father in heaven. And we need to do those things. As Paul was praying, he asked for five specific things um, for the people he was praying for, and then he give, gave him two things to do. I'm going to hit those as quick as I can this morning. In verse 16, he said that he prayed that God would grant these things to the people he was praying for based on God's glory and the full resources available to God. Here's, here's five things. Say five things. Number one, to be strengthened with might by his spirit, in the inner man. Now, if God had Paul, if God inspired Paul to write this down to be Bible for us, that Paul would told these people, this is what I'm praying for you. Do you think this is what we should pray for each other? Go like this. 
we need to pray this for each other. You need to pray this for yourself. You need to pray this for your pastor. You need to pray this for your leaders. You need to pray this for your family. You need to pray this for everybody. You know that God, that they would be strengthened with might by God's spirit on the inside. Say inside. We live in a world that's so outwardly focused, but we need to get strength on the inside. Three things I want you to see about this particular request. Number one, we need strength. Can anybody say amen? amen? This is why some people don't pray, and this is why theologians tell us that women typically tend to pray more than men. Now, there are some women who don't pray much, and there are some men who pray a lot, but typically women pray more than men because typically men struggle with humility. Typically, men, even humble men, have, a, have an inner man thing that says, I got this. I can handle it. I just need to put my hands on it and fix it. We, we were, uh, Keon and I were at a conference together, and the PowerPoint machine was making a weird rattle. I said, well, my grandfather was here. He'd tell you how to fix it. Anybody, anybody know how? That's it, right? Show him again, Jeff. That's all, just bang on it one time. And, and he, he's like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's how uh, that generation uh, fixed everything. I said, sure, you're right. TVs, radios, loud children. <laughs> but men want to grab it, want to fix it, want to put their hands. I'll make it work. I'll beat on it till it works. I just let, but here's the thing. We need strength. And you won't get any. The Bible says he gives strength to the humble. If you, want, if you got to do everything yourself, if you're one of those, I can fix anything, I can handle anything, God is not coming to your rescue. Lifeguards don't jump in to save people that are swimming fine, saying, I don't need any help. They jump in to help people that are screaming for help. Anybody know you need strength today? Not only do we need strength, but secondly, we need it to come from his spirit. We, we live in a world where, where we've, we've conflated people being powerful with God being powerful. And we need God to give us strength from his spirit. And thirdly, we need it for our inner man. I don't know about you, but I thank God that even though people look on the outside, God looks on the heart. Well, you start getting older and, 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 and gaining weight and looking different in the mirror, you'd be glad God looks on your inside too. Any of y'all to that age yet where you walk by the mirror and think, what the heck? Who's in my mirror? When did this fat old person get in my mirror? Listen, but God look, looks on the inside, and we focus too much as a society on what it looks like on the outside. But I want to tell you something. You better get some strength for your inside. Amen? Second thing that he asked that God would give to the people he was praying for, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. He Listen, if you don't have the Lord in your heart, you got trouble. Many people have said it this way. Some people will miss heaven by 18 inches, the difference between their head and their heart. Everybody believes in Jesus. The Bible says if you believe in Jesus, you'll go to heaven. Well, there needs a greater explanation than that because the same Bible that says that says that the devils believe in Jesus and they're not going 
to heaven. The, the, the real belief, the, the word for belief, I, I love the way the Amplified Version says John 3.16. You know John 3.16. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, there's that believe again. But the amplified, guess what the amplified version does to that verse? There are three people. It amplifies it. And where it says believes in, it says believes in, trusts in, clings to, and relies on him and him alone shall not perish. That's the kind of belief that God is looking for, not just some head knowledge, not just some intellectual assent that says, yes, I fundamentally believe these things. John Calvin said it great. Listen to this quote from John Calvin. It's not enough that he be on the tongue or float through the brain. The heart is his proper seat. Do you get that? It's not enough just to know about him. It's not enough just to talk about him. He needs to be on the inside of you. You need to know that you know that you know that you are indwelt with God's spirit. Paul was praying for the people in his church that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. God's not going to jump in your heart because you keep coming to church. God's not going to indwell you because you start doing more good stuff and doing less bad stuff. God is only going to dwell on the inside of you by faith. The Bible says by the keeping of the law, nobody's going to be made right with God, but that God justifies us by faith. It's by believing in his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. So I got to ask you, is he in you? Not, not do you acknowledge his existence, but is he really in you? Is he really on the inside of you? See, uh, you say, well, I hope so. Well, let me tell you something. You want to really know? The Bible says out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. Or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You talk about the things that you love. I know some of y'all sitting on the front row like them criminals. There he is. I, I love him anyhow. I, I know he loves his Florida State Seminoles because he's talked about it. I, I know uh, that I'm looking right here. You over here. I know that Cheryl loves her some NBA basketball and that, that, and that her family knows every NBA player you ever heard of that was famous. Uh, listen, we talk about the things that matter to us. You want to know what you really love? Think about what you spend time talking about. How much time do you spend talking to people about Jesus? Is Jesus on your mouth? Is that the conversation that you have every day, all day, everywhere you go? That's how you know if he's on the inside of you. Third thing Paul was praying for his church family was that they be rooted and grounded in love. Now, so there are two things inside point number three, that you be what? And rooted and grounded. Now, words are important. The Bible is a very specific book, and the words are specific in the Bible. And rooted comes from an image of a tree. Does that make sense to you? Trees have what? So when, when, this, when it, God uses this word rooted, it's an image from a tree, whereas the word grounded is the image from a building. Okay? One is connected to having roots and the other is connected to having a firm foundation so if you're rooted in christ uh then then you're connected 
to those roots. You, you, you are connected to him as, as a tree is connected to its roots. It's vital. Say vital. If you destroy the roots, you destroy the tree. If you move the tree, you move the roots. It's all connected. Say connected. But then you got the other image being uh, grounded, an image from a building. If you're grounded in God's love, because he said that you'd be rooted and grounded in love, then you're firmly settled on a foundation of God's love. God's love ought to be the basis for everything you are and everything you do and everything you believe. God's, ba- God's love should be your foundation for who you are and why you do what you do. So think about it real quick. What are you really rooted in? What are you connected to? What are you tied up with? Uh, what is your foundation? What are you firmly settled on? Some of y'all are firmly determined that your college sports team is better than somebody else's college sports team. Uh, some of y'all are firmly settled on the fact that your children are smarter than everybody else's children. Listen, I hope that in all of you being settled on things, that you are settled on the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Amen? Fourth thing that Paul said he was praying for his church members was that they would comprehend with all the saints the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ. You ought to know how much God loves you. It is not new songs that I cry about in my prayer clause. It is not new songs for me. You do you. I'll do me. That I pour out of my heart and sing to God that affect me greatly. The simplest song that anybody who went to the little nursery, uh, little Sunday school and church, uh, kids church, ever learned is the one that I've probably sang to God more and spent more time weeping and worshiping over. Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. Uh, I want you to know how much He loves you because it shouldn't be fear that motivates you to do right. It shouldn't be worrying about hell that motivates you to do right. The Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that causes us to change. It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. If you ever realize how great God is and how much He loves you when He didn't have to, how He never gave up on you when everybody else did, how He could have thrown you away and been justified for throwing you away, if you ever realize how His love held you together, then you are going to go to a new level in your Christianity. And Paul said, man, I just want y'all to get this. I want you to comprehend it. I want you to understand how, how broad and how long and how deep and how high. There's just some things as saints that we need to understand. And, and Paul said, I want you to comprehend this with all the other saints. Listen, here's one thing that all Christians should know. God loves us. He's on our side. He, he cares about us. There shouldn't be arguing, but, but there is discussion about doctrine. Some people believe certain things. Other people believe other things. But listen, we ought to all agree, and we ought to all understand that God's love for us is huge. And to make sure that we don't take the concept of the love of God lightly, the apostle adds dimension to it. Say dimension. He, he talks about the breadth, the length, the depth. And the height. Think, think about the breadth. That's the width or how wide something is. You, you might have seen the meme before or uh, artwork of 
Someone asked Jesus how much he loved us, and he spread his arms wide and said this much, and he died. There, there is a width to God's love. Uh, there, there, there is a dimension to his love. Not only does he love us from, from, not only does his love reach from sea to shining sea, but his love is wider than anything you've ever witnessed. There, there's a length to God's love. That's the distance from end to end. That's how long. If, if we're rightly to understand God's length of his love for us, um, we need to understand that it doesn't just reach from one end of the world to the other. It goes beyond, say beyond. Then the depth he talked about, that's how deep something is. So Some of y'all remember. There, there was a group, I don't remember, I guess they were probably in the 80s. They might have been in the 70s. Uh, but they, they were called Air Supply. They should have been called This Group Only Knows How to Sing Songs with Love in the title. Uh, but y'all remember that group? Uh, I, I think it was that group. That's, uh, how deep is your love? How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I'm thinking, y'all need better writers. Uh, but <laughs> that's just saying the same thing with different inflection. But there is a depth to God's love, and the Scripture tells us that it's deeper than the ocean. There's a height. That's how high something is. Uh, we need to understand that God's love is taller than, than the tallest mountain. Now, some of you may have never seen a mountain. I don't take for granted anymore. I used to just assume everybody's seen the ocean, everybody's seen the mountains. Uh, but then not too long ago, I rode through downtown Jacksonville with somebody. They rolled the window down and, and looked out the window, put his whole body out the window and said, that's some tall buildings. I'm thinking... Have you ever been to down? Been in Middleburg his whole life. Never been to downtown Jacksonville. Never seen a building taller than the bank. And I'm thinking, man, you'd have a heart attack if you went to a big city. Um, but I, I don't tell you. I, we had somebody come to our church in their 40s. Uh, I, I went to the beach with the first time they'd ever been to the beach. He said, I'd never seen the ocean before. So I don't take for granted anymore that everybody has seen all these things. But it, the Bible allows us to understand many spiritual truths in a teaching format called first natural then spiritual jesus talked to fishermen in fishing terms so they would understand some spiritual truths god has allowed us to understand some things in the spirit realm with some natural comparisons now there's nothing literally that can compare to how high long deep and wide his love is but the bible says that we should understand it we should comprehend it now, I think two of the most massive aspects of God's creation, to me, is the ocean and the sky. The ocean, man, you ought to look at the ocean sometime and just think about how cool God is. You ought to look at the ocean. He said that he laid out the boundaries and told the ocean where they had to stop. That's why I'm not worried about polar ice caps and... Uh, rising oceans and all that other stuff. My God's in control of all that. If, if he was ready for the ocean to come flying up over the west side of Jacksonville, swim as long as you can. But, but the ocean and, and mountains, man, it's just so, they're beautiful, they're breathtaking, they're spectacular, and that's how God's love should be understood by us. It should take your breath away. And you need to spend time thinking about the fact that he really loves you. See, it's easy to understand why he loves other people. But if you ever really sit there and think about him loving you, because you know you. 
You know what you've done. You know what you're thinking right now. But his love is spectacular. If you, you think about the width of the horizon, how far le- If you ever stood out or if you ever got on a cruise ship where you couldn't see anything or a military vessel where you couldn't see anything, man, how wide does that look from left to right? Uh, you can get to trying to think, I wonder how many miles that is. There ain't no telling. No telling because it just it's as, as far left and right as you can see. Think about the distance. If you stand on a on a beach and you look from where the water hits the sand and all the way out there till the horizon meets the ocean. That's uh, how many miles is that? A lot. That is a long way. These, these are things that have dimension to them. It, it seems like it just goes and goes and goes think about the depth think about how deep the ocean is you might google how deep the ocean is but oceanographers have said we'll never really know because there's depths that we cannot get to Uh, experts say that at the bottom of the ocean in places that we haven't even seen yet they believe it looked like a different universe with creatures that would be deemed monsters uh it is listen some of y'all you know, you don't like swimming in the deep end of the pool. Like, I'm going to stay down here in the 3.5 section over here. Uh, God's love for us is deep, and we need to understand it. The, the, another dimension the Bible talks about is how high it is. You ought to lay on your back sometimes in your driveway. Um, well, it depends on what neighborhood you live in. Don't get shot. Um <laughs> That's funny to me. Uh, But if you just look up and you see the stars, sometimes they're so big they look close, but they're not close. They're really, really far away. And that's how we ought to imagine and and, and comprehend God's love, that it's beautiful, that it's spectacular, that it's awesome. The fifth thing Paul said that he's praying, and I'm hurrying. I want you to read this when you go home tonight, this week. Study this book. It's amazing. But he was praying that... His church family would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, anybody ever been to a restaurant where they filled your cup up? They walked by and filled your cup up, and they walked away, and you're thinking, you missed about the top third of that cup. It's like you could have done better on that. Or anybody ever went went to a fountain machine? Listen, let me tell you all how to get your best 79 cents out of kangaroo. All right, I'm not going to give you my Slurpee thing because that's good all by itself. I'm going to give you my 79-cent, 44-ounce, uh, any size drink for 79 cents. You fill it up, right? But then you get the lid while the foam settles down. You take your nice drink to test to make sure that it's good, and then you fill it up again. Now you're leaving with something that is full because there ain't nothing more disgusting than something that's not full. If you need a better visual than that, Go buy you a $4 bag of Lay's potato chips. Family size. Open that thing up. And just drop kick it across the room and say, this is a ridiculous. The bag this tall, it's got that much chips in it. Now, that ain't full to me. Is that full to you? That is not full. But when God says that he wants us to be filled with all the fullness of of God, imagine if God put all his fullness in you, guess what you'd be? You'd be full. God wants to 
fill us. And here's the problem with church folk. People aren't full. People aren't full. That's why they have room for foolishness. People aren't full. Listen, if you ever got really full, I'm talking about Thanksgiving full. I'm talking about, you know, uh, big eating full. I'm talking about laying on the couch. Uh, I, I want one of the, you know, five desserts that you ain't tried yet but can't get another bite in full. You ever been there? That, that's full, full. God wants us to be so full that we don't have room for our appetite for other things. If you still have an appetite for other things, you're not full. If you still have room for other things, you're not full. And God wants us to be full. Not only did Paul pray these things for his friends, we need to be praying these things for each other, and we need to be praying these things for ourselves. God doesn't want to be just part of your life. He wants to fill your life with his fullness. I said there's five things you pray, and then he says two things for us to do. Number one thing we need to do is recognize his power. Say his power. Here's where I talked about a minute ago. The, the people are conflating how God wants us to be awesome. Here's what's packing churches around the world today. Here's what's making mega churches, super mega churches, and, 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 and making buildings bigger by telling people that God wants to empower you for greatness. That, that God, God, you are somebody, and, and God want, wants you to rise up to show him. No, God wants us to humble ourselves and let him be great in us. That's real Christianity. You being great so you can show off for the Lord, that's selfishness and greed. That's false theology. God wants us to recognize his power. Everything about Christianity is about him. Say him. It's about he. It's not about me. But we need to recognize his power. He, he said in this passage that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Listen, according to the power that works in us. Not according to our power, but according to the power that works in us. And if you understand proper Bible, you know that the power that works in God's children is His power. Say His power. He can do great things, not through you specifically, but through His power in you. And I want you to make sure that everything you're doing in your life is his power because there's too much going on in churches that's self-motivated. Too much going. Do you know preachers can preach in their power? Deacons can deek in their power. Teachers can teach. Singers can sing. Worshippers can, can stand up and look like they're worshiping. But if it's self-power, then it's not God's power, and we need to recognize his power. Can two people say amen? amen. And the second thing he said, and I'm done, is that we should give him the glory. All the glory for everything. If your child graduated this year, then you ought to give God glory for that. Thank your children for not driving you off your frame, but give God glory that you didn't have to kill them. Amen? Give God glory. Listen, if they graduated cum laude, some people graduated magna laude, some people graduated cum laude, some people graduated thank you laude. Either way, you, you better give God the glory. You better give God praise. To give God glory is to agree 
with his claim, to add weight to his claim, to co-sign on what he says. You can't give God glory walking around busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted. You can't add credibility to God's claims that he loves you if you always look like you've been sucking on prunes and lemons all week. We got to get under the spout where the glory comes out so God can bless us, so we can add glory. We can add credit. We can say, Yes, my Father blesses me. Yes, my Father loves me. Yes, my Father pouring. My mind is still together because my God has kept me together. Oh, I love the old songs. Now, listen, we all got bills to pay. We all got jobs to go to, kids to raise, rules to keep, things to do, people to answer to. But we need to focus on glorifying God. We need to focus on making sure God gets some credit. We need to make sure that God gets the glory and the honor and the credibility for everything that's done. Listen, listen to this part of this old hymn. It says, To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Look at the next verse. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. If God ever did anything great for you, I want you to give him some glory right now. Give him the credit, give him the praise, tell him thank you, give him some honor, say hallelujah, say thank you, Jesus, if you believe that God is worthy to receive glory, then you ought to give him some glory. I want to finish with this today. I just want to ask you a very real question. I won't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to be honest. How strong is your inner man? God told Paul to pray for his church that they'd be strengthened on the inside because he knew they needed it and we need it. Life will zap you of your energy. Life will zap you of your strength. Life is hard. Anybody that tells you any different is a liar. God never promised us an easy road. He never promised us that it'd be easy, but he did promise that it'd be worth it. But life... It's filled with difficulty. It's filled with adversity. And things can just zap your strength. How strong is your inner person right now? Are you filled up on him? Are you strong? Are you vibrant? If you are, keep growing. Keep pressing. The Bible says that God wants to take us from one level of glory to the next level of glory. God, God wants to transition us to new heights and to a greater understanding of how great he is. Let me ask you this. Does Christ dwell in your heart? Or is he just in your head? Head knowledge of who Jesus is won't get you to heaven. Jesus told his apostles before he left. He said, I'm going to go. But my father is going to send you a comforter. And he'll be with you even as I have been with you. But he'll not only be with you. He'll be inside you. One of the great realities of real Christianity is true Christians have the Spirit of God living in them. 
if you don't have this, then you don't need to doubt your salvation or wonder about your salvation. You need to understand that you're not truly saved because being a good person doesn't make you a Christian. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Wanting to do better doesn't make you a Christian. You need God on the inside. Are you rooted and grounded in love? Are you so connected to Him? Man, if you've ever tried to do anything with a tree that's deep-rooted, you know those roots are twisted and, 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 and curled and mangled around everything, just locked up together. Are you locked up with God? Are you grounded on that firm foundation? Do you understand how much He loves you? Are you filled with His fullness? See, I believe if we just had the time and we were willing to take the time this morning and we had enough honesty in the room, we'd find out that most people are running on empty. Most people are running on a low tank. Most people aren't filled with His fullness. We're chasing other stuff. We're sidetracked. We're distracted. We're involved in many things. When God wants us to be filled up with Him. Does Jesus consume you? Is Jesus in your thoughts? Is He in your mind? Do you spend time praying? Or, or do you think about Him on the couch, in the car, in the bedroom? Do you talk to Him in the shower? Is He your all and your everything? This is what He wants. What really is the power that gets you up and going? Are you forcing yourself? Have you hit that rut where you just got to force yourself to read your Bible? Or do you run to it because you love it so much? Are, 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 you, are you forcing yourself to come to church and try to do the right things? Or is it just really your everything? There's a difference, and you need to get connected. Last question. Is he getting glory from your life? Does your life make him smile? Is he happy when he sees the way you're living? See, God could have chosen to reveal himself to us in any way, and he chose many ways. He, he chose a, a king over servants. He, he chose a slave master over slaves. He chose a boss over employees. He, he, he chose uh, an, an owner over workers. But the primary way that he chose to reveal himself to us most is a father to his children. Because we understand parents and children. And if you've ever had children, if you've ever been a child and we're all in that group, you know when a kid's life is making the parent happy and when a kid's life is causing the parent strength. You know when, when a kid's life, you were that kid. And you know when, when your life was honoring your parents and when your life wasn't honoring your parents. When your life was making your parents look awesome and when your life was making your parents look shameful. So I want you to decide today, is your life honoring your heavenly father? Are you giving him glory? Are you the child in whom he's well pleased? If we be honest, we all have room to grow. We all need to love Him more. We all need to give Him more glory. We need to get so filled.
filled with him that we lose our appetite for other things. Because everything is trying to get your attention away from God. Everything is trying to crowd you out. Everything is trying to become more important to you than the only true God who there is. He made everything there is. He's creator of heaven and earth, and yet he knows you by name, and he desires to be in relationship with you. If you're here and you're not saved, I want you to get saved today. I want you to give your heart to Christ. I want you to let him come in and live on the inside of you. You don't have to walk an aisle, pray a prayer, shake anybody's hand to make that happen. The Bible says if you'll search for him with your whole heart, you'll find him. Some people have tried and prayed and walked aisles 5, 10, 20 times and never really gotten real salvation. But it's not in the walking the aisle. It's not in praying a prayer. It's in choosing to believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died on a cross, rose from the dead on the third day, lives in heaven with his Father, and he loves you. Would you respond to that love by loving him back? Would you respond to that love by telling him, I believe in you and I choose your way for me? Then you can have him on the inside. Then he can move from your brain to your heart. Then you can understand what it feels like to have God in you. Some of you wonder how real all this is. You look at some people and they seem like they might just praise him a little too much for you. Or they just might talk about him a little too much for you. And you wonder the the validity of, of all that. That should tell you there's something you're missing. There's something not right inside you. Listen, there's no, I've heard people say, oh, well, she's just too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. There's never been anyone that's been too heavenly minded. Oh, well, he's just one of those holier than thou's. No, he's not holier than thou. He's just holier than you, and it bothers you. When are you going to really say enough is enough? Some of you have tried so long. You've hoped for better. You've wanted better. When are you just going to give in to best and say, God, please save me? The Bible says that if you call on him to save you, that he will save you. I love what the psalmist said. He said, I cried unto the Lord in my time of trouble, and he heard my cry, and he delivered me out of every problem that I had. This is the God of this book. He loves you and He wants a real relationship with you. He wants not just to save you. He wants to fill every part of you with His goodness and His love so that you can go through life knowing, I got something I didn't used to have. I used to be over there, but I'm over here now. I used to be something different, but God has made me something even more different. You need to get real salvation. Don't leave this place. If you're not sure about your salvation, you just ought to ask God right now, God, please save me. Change me forever. And if you need somebody to talk to, I'm going to stick around today. You come talk to me. You come find somebody that looks like they know the Lord. Don't leave this place today with, with questions in your mind about your salvation. But if you're here and you know that you're saved, I want you to start praying these five things for yourself. I want you to start praying that you would really understand how deep God's love is. I want you to start praying that God would really fill you with all his fullness. I want you to start praying these things. I want you to pray them for me. 
See, we, we're talking about taking massive action in 2019, and we're, we're almost halfway through the year, and not a whole lot of action is taking place. Do you realize that days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years, and, and years turn into decades, and then you look back and wonder where all the time went? It went by one second at a time, one day at a time. And I want you to take massive action in your prayer life. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture today, this week, this month, and I want you to pray these things. Let's pray these things for each other. And I make my declaration to you today that I am going to begin to take massive action in praying for you. I am going to pray for you more than I have ever prayed for you. And I am going to be praying these five things for you. And I want you to start giving God glory. I want you to start testifying. I want you to start honoring God. I want you to thank Him for every good thing that comes your way. Because when we pray and we ask God for stuff and stuff happens, we turn it around and we give Him all the glory. And when the praise goes up, the blessings come down. I want you to walk in His goodness. I want you to know His love. I want you to understand that He cares more about you than you care for yourself. I want you to know He's not mad at you for what you've done. He's already paid the price to forgive you for everything that you've ever done or that you ever will do. He just wants you to love Him. We'll close with this. And if you've been around, you've heard it many times. And it's still true. He loved us enough to die for us. Can't we love him enough to live for him? Let's love him enough to live for him. Let's put him first. Let's make him the ultimate priority. Because when he sent his son to this world to die for us, he made us the ultimate priority. And he paid the price for us. Let's show it back to him in the way we live. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to Calvary for us. Thank you for salvation, healing, and deliverance. God, I pray for those in this room who are not saved. God, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal to them right now their need for true salvation and that you would give them faith to reach out to you, to ask you to save them, God, and save them for real. Fill them with your spirit and overflow them with your love. For every real Christian in the room, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be filled with you all the time to the point we'd have no appetite for anything but you. You're everything, God. We love you. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for grace, for patience, for mercy. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for the hope of heaven. Thank you for living in us. God, I pray that you would let us strip away all our earthly things so that the world would see you shine through us and in us. God, I pray you'd glorify your name in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.